The unconventional school year is having an impact on students, parents, and teachers. I'm Stephanie Carson. In this week's Kicker by Carolina Public Press, we talk to educators who are at least temporarily leaving the profession because of the pressures of virtual schools or fears of contracting the virus from in-person instruction. And for many, the added demands of educating their own children. These stresses fall on top of problems that existed before the pandemic that included low teacher pay and long hours. Chastity Robinson is a former educator of Hope Mills, North Carolina. Chastity, you just recently left the profession, I understand, because of just some of the challenges COVID presented? Yes, I did. Um, I've been a teacher for 10 years. Well, I'd be going into my 11th year. Um, I actually have a master's degree in education as well. But trying to manage being a mom to two young kids and all of the expectations that are put on us for teaching, it was just too much. And what made it difficult? Do you have young children of your own as well? A seven-year-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old. So while all of the things were going on and we would have to go virtually, I had both kids at home while I was trying to teach. and keep them alive and make sure that my then first grader was doing the work that he needed to do when I had meetings and video was up all the time. It was just, it was chaos. And I know I've spoken with other teachers that I know in my life, and they've also explained that the virtual teaching has taken some of the reward that they got out of teaching, you know, in terms, in the form of being around the children and experiencing that joy. Yes, absolutely. It was, it's super, it was just super difficult because, I mean, we had kids that, I have, I had kids in my class in particular that never showed up, not one time from March until the end of the school year. And there was really nothing that we could do about it. And I missed them. And I knew how much I wasn't able to do virtually. And the whole reason why I became a teacher was to help kids and to see that light go off when you teach them something and be around them every day. And it's just not the same through a computer screen. I think many of us would agree with you on that. Um, And what support is or was missing? You know, what might have kept you in the profession? Honestly, I worked for amazing administration. I can't complain about them one bit. Um, Most of the things that were needed were things that we could have never saw coming. For instance, like we didn't have a platform to really teach these kids. There was no like set up way for us to deliver the material. So that was definitely a challenge. And just the time aspect, there's just not enough time in the day to plan the lessons to teach online if you have kids at home, because there wasn't an option for me but to have my kids at home with me. I felt like I wasn't doing anything well, and I wasn't able to educate the kids that I would be able to touch the way that I needed to because there's, it's just not the same. And I just couldn't not give my kids what they needed and let my son's education fall behind because I have to sit in front of the computer and be there at specific times during the day when I may only have two kids show up. 
In terms of policy, I know you mentioned that there there wasn't much, you know, you had great administrators, there wasn't much they could have changed. But, um, you know, from a state or federal perspective, um, could assistance with child care for educators have made a difference? Is there anything that, um, that our lawmakers could have done? Um, I'll be honest. Child care, I mean, yes, I think that that would have helped, but in essence, they would have just been a body in a room um, because that's, that was an option for some of the teachers that went back this fall. Their um, children could um, go to school with them because even though they're teaching virtually right now, most counties are still requiring the teachers to actually go to the school building to teach virtually instead of actually doing it from home. So my kid would have been sitting in a computer lab all day long, just basically being babysat while I'm sitting in a classroom teaching virtually, when really I felt like a lot of the things were micromanaged, like babysitting type things, because any educator will tell you that you can do a homeschool curriculum and teach what you need to teach in, in two hours a day virtually because you're not dealing with all of the different interruptions and bathroom breaks and all of those different things. But I don't know how it was everywhere around the state, but I know that for us, there were specific times that we just had to be able to prove that we were sitting at a computer in front of a computer, basically. So I felt like so that they could justify our paychecks. When my my kid now, he's, um, like I said, he's at a private school and they've had to go virtual for a little while because there was some, uh, there was a positive test in his class. And it's night and day what he's required to do at this private school versus what he would have had to do at the public school and I, I hate, I don't want to say that I'm like downplaying the public school. I was a public school teacher for 10 years, but I just feel like they were, they were making teachers do things just to justify paying them because we're at home, that they wanted to make sure we were actually at home at work for eight hours or whatever. I understand that. Well, I appreciate your perspective and thanks for doing this and best of luck to you. Thank you. Alisa Chapman is the executive director of the Association of Teacher Educators. Alisa, thanks so much for joining us on today's show. Thank you for having me. The challenges to education when it comes to corona, I mean, there's a long list of them, um, but we're hearing anecdotally of, of teachers perhaps choosing to leave the profession, maybe temporarily because of this. Um, what are you guys seeing? So from a national perspective, the interactions that I've had with uh, teacher educators, K-12 and in higher education across America, is very similar to what you just stated. Um, anecdotally, many teachers are making a decision um, to leave the classroom out of a range of concerns. Um, my greatest concern is how this pandemic and these decisions will impact teacher supply and demand, not only in North Carolina, which um, I'm very familiar with, um, the issues of teacher supply and demand, but nationally. Um, the national teacher shortage is often attributed to insufficient production of teachers. 
but data indicate that the shortages are more likely attributable to difficulties with teacher retention. And I think the global pandemic that we are dealing with exacerbates that issue, particularly for high need licensure areas like mathematics, science, middle grades, and special education, as well as hard to staff and rural schools across America. I mean, you're certainly right. I mean, some of the challenges with teacher retention were um, an issue, you know, before this whole thing started. And then you add the pandemic. Um, and I would imagine, you know, that it's making it difficult, you know, it's a difficult decision for teachers. You know, many people that are called to teach are called to teach because they love it and they love kids. That's very true. And I think it's difficult. I, I think uh, in North Carolina, at least, we we are beginning to see uh, that our public schools um are doing a really good job, the best that they can, in keeping the schools, the students and the staff and the teachers as safe as possible. But still, we have challenges. And um, with the surge in infection rates across the country, um, that, of course, increases our concerns around um, how stable those school environments will be um, for those that have opted to have some form of transition back into uh, our public schools. But the, you know, the high turnover um, leads to so many issues. Um, and this concerns me greatly, how the pandemic will um, exacerbate these issues. Right. And, uh, you know, the challenges I'm hearing are, are teachers uh, having to educate their own children at the same time. You know, I know that's an issue. And, and you know, the answer when it wouldn't be a pandemic would be to provide child care. But that's not that easy right now. You know, high turnover leads to loss in teacher quality, school stability, student achievement. And we know from from our data and studying this very closely that reducing turnover costs less. So any efforts that states and local communities can put in place to retain the teachers and work uh, with them um, to, to satisfy their immediate challenges and needs around the pandemic, I think uh, would be beneficial to those schools and communities and the students that they serve. Reducing turnover, that's business 101 for, for any business, you know, that it's costly to replace people. And um, I know, you know, other teachers I've spoken with have said, you know, I'm just not allowed to do the job I set out to do. You know, I, when I, I'm sitting there uh, doing virtual learning and there's kids not coming to that and I know that they need more support at home and I can't help them. Yes, we, you know, we're hearing this, um, Anecdotally, uh, as we uh, coordinate our online interactions with um, Association of Teacher Educator members across America, um, that those challenges are increasing and uh, teachers are faced with having to make critical decisions. We're also seeing in interacting with um, our institutions of higher education that prepare teachers, it's, it's beginning to impact um, enrollment numbers. And in North Carolina, um, that's particularly a great concern of mine as we have seen an erosion of enrollment in our educator preparation programs at public and private institutions across our state. We're beginning to, to see this roll out at other institutions. And um, we're also hearing rather consistently uh, the alternative preparation routes for initially licensed teachers increase in enrollment. Um, and um, 
teacher educators are concerned about um, quality routes of teacher preparation. Um, and there's good data around um, routes of preparation that are higher quality, quality or lesser quality. So this is something we're beginning to talk about a lot more. Beyond that, you know, I, I keep trying to find silver linings to 2020. It's difficult, but uh, might this uh, begin a, a nationwide dialogue about better teacher pay, higher value placed on teachers, you know, when we all realize when they're not there, they're not coming to the table to apply for a job, we can't keep going, with, with it, particularly with public education. I do think it will prompt the national, this national dialogue. In fact, already, I think that dialogue has already begun. And the impacts of lesser quality routes of teacher preparation uh, well, those those outcomes and impacts will be seen down the road. So these are effects that we'll see in uh, waves of impact later down the road after these individuals work through their pipeline of preparation and become employed uh, in our public schools. So it's it's a longer term conversation, uh, but I do think on the bright side. Um, or, or thinking more positively about what some of the outcomes and impacts of the challenges that we're faced with due to the pandemic may bring about in teacher preparation. And that is um, maybe innovative ways to deliver um, high-need teacher licensure candidates to those hard-to-staff rural schools in areas of teacher licensure that have been um, persistently hard to fill and retain. So the math, science, middle grades, and special education teachers, how might we better deal with the issue of, uh, within the context of teacher supply and demand, the issue of distribution to get these teachers to those locations who have, uh, for a very long time, had challenges in filling um, those teaching positions in their schools. So the use of online and distance education and what we're learning about that through the pandemic may enlighten ways uh, for us to be creative and better serve those communities in the future. But we're dealing with the challenges and we're learning about those issues now. My husband and I have spoken about that, how in some ways this has laid the groundwork. You know, it has highlighted a lack of broadband in communities. In some cases, that's being addressed even with mobile solutions. Um, you know, even just kids having a laptop home, uh, there's there may be no such thing as a snow day anymore. I hate to say that, but uh, we received notice with my daughter's school yesterday that, that snow days weren't really going to be a thing this year since they're capable of virtual. So um, it's going to be a new frontier, uh, you know, when we get past this. Indeed it will. And I, um, you know, what I see are teacher educators across America engaged in the problem-solving of these issues now, not only for the local issues that they're dealing with daily, uh, as we have online community forums and conversations about how these teacher educators, both public school and higher education, 
are dealing with these issues today to share and talk through uh, some of the innovations and ideas that are being implemented across America. So our educators are, are grappling with these issues now and becoming more informed about how to go about their work in the future and better uses of distance and online technology. So I'm excited about those opportunities. The other thing that has crossed my mind as a parent is, uh, you know, the story of 2020 is obviously Corona and it's this challenge with with keeping teachers at the table. But gosh, 2021 seems like it's going to be the story of learning loss. I mean, I, I see it in my children and they're both overachievers, but the, you know, in some ways you can't always replace that education with, without that in-person uh, component. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I referenced it earlier that, you know, that high turnover leads to not only losses in teacher quality and the school stability, the staffing issues that we've been talking about, but absolutely student achievement. And so, um, and those outcomes are longer and lasting outcomes that educators um, are cognizant of now and are dealing with now to try to address what are going to be continuing future issues for us. These are all important conversations to have, whether we have children currently in school or not. It's it's going to impact us all, you know, for, for the next generation. So I appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this week's edition of The Kicker by Carolina Public Press. Alisa and Chastity were both interviewed for an article we have on our website this week by Jennifer Bringle. If you'd like us to send you a link to that article, text EDUCATOR to 919-897-8555. I'm your host, Stephanie Carson. Thanks for joining us.